reading in the Word of the Lord. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation today in all the verses. And um, I believe the writer here is the Apostle Paul personally, whether it is or is not, doesn't make really all that big of a difference other than this is the Word of God. It is inspired of the Lord. But anytime I read about God's will, I lean in a little bit. Because I, I want God's will. I know I, I got my will. There's things I'd like to see happen. There's things I'd like to do and accomplish. But when I read the Scripture and it speaks about God's will, I'm interested. For God's will was for us. Someone say us. That's you and I. God wants you and I. It is His will. It is His desire. It is His purpose to be made holy. Now, as we've been singing these songs about, you know, and talking about our past and the shame and the guilt and all that has come with the things that have been behind us in yesteryears and yesterdays, this holy God, His will is to take an unholy people and make them holy. That is completely impossible. It is it's just like when the, the apostles asked Jesus, saying, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus says, well, with men it's impossible. Men cannot be saved. And if it would have just been a period right there and over, we rightfully so could have walked out into our dismal existence. But Jesus Christ said, it is impossible with men, but with God all things are possible. I'm thankful that he can take a sin-stained soul and it is just completely marred with mistake, error, reprobate, and rebellion, and he can make it white as snow. That is God's will, is for us who are unholy to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. And if you read those last four words with me, once for all time. Would you do that again, more than one person? Once for all time. I'm just going to preach for a couple minutes here about those simple four words. Once for all time. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for the opportunity to be gathered together in your name, in this house, with your people. This is your church, God. These are your saints. This is your people that you purchased with your blood. And I pray right now that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. Speak to us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to understand, and a heart that is receptive in the name of Jesus. Someone say in Jesus' name. Amen. Once for all time. A quick backdrop of why we are where we are right now. If you have surveyed the news scene and looking at 2020, uh, double vision, cross-eyed vision, impaired vision, it's, it's, it's been quite a year. The year that everyone's going to preach vision because it just accompanies uh, a business so well, a church so well, to have 2020 vision. But we pretty much have just been seeing stars this the whole entire year, you get you get an uppercut to the chin, then you get an elbow to the face, and then a flying knee to the forehead. It's just been one of those kinds of years where it's just just attack after attack, disappointment after disappointment. And uh, Pastor Jared at Youth Convention, he he he, he so adi- um, adequately you know uh, explained it and just talked about some of the things that have went over this year that you know I haven't thought about in a long time. I forgot all about. 
as he mentioned, the, 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 the murder hornets that were coming to kill the United States of America. And you forget about the, uh, as evangelist Chris Green was here, and he talked about the fires that are in Australia that are still going in some parts. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy to think that so many things have happened. Uh, that moment that, you know, um, caught the world uh, attention, Kobe Bryant's death and and those in that helicopter crash. Just, there's just been a number of things that have went over this year and and then all of a sudden the COVID-19 and, and it's still going and it almost feels as if there is no end in sight. No matter what your view, what your thought is about it. I was just in Connecticut uh, earlier this week preaching at their youth camp and uh, one piece of advice I gave them and no matter what your opinion is about it, it would be wise not to go around parading your opinion because alienating people will never help you win a harvest. And that's what our objective and goal is, whether you, know, you find yourself uh, voting for this person or that person, whether you feel this way or that way about whatever politician, policy, or handling of an epidemic, uh, I would never put that in front of your witness and your testimony. Reaching the lost is always more important. Accomplishing God's will will always be more important. I'm not telling you to live your life like I do on social media, but I just don't go around posting things about the whole COVID-19 and pro-mask, con-mask, whatever you feel about it. It's not my call and purpose in life. My call and purpose is to try to find somebody that is hurting, hungry, and lost and try to get on the same page with them because Jesus Christ loves souls. Jesus Christ did not go on a political campaign. Jesus Christ did not try to accomplish that. Now, I'm not saying that we ignore social injustice. We've preached about that a couple weeks ago about heal the land. How many remember that? I believe it is the will of God that we heal the land. But it will not come under red or blue. It's going to come under Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that can heal the land. And if he can find a man, a woman, that is willing to align themselves with God's will, we can see the Prince of Peace established here in this world as we want to see his kingdom come and his will be done. It's been a crazy year as you just wonder how things are going to turn out from here going forward. We do not know how this particular moment will unfold, but you can always look back to Matthew chapter 24 if you want to see how the grand scheme of things is going to unfold. If you want to see how life will unfold biblically, you can just read through the book of Revelation. God is not caught off guard by what is happening right now. God is not sitting on the canopy at the edge of a cloud in heaven, chewing on his nails, trying to figure out, me, oh my, how am I going to take care of this. God has a will. God has a plan. And the best thing you and I can do is to try to align ourselves in his will and in his plan. But we are here where we are right now. Simply be, uh, if you were to rewind the tape, which makes no sense to anybody that is under the age of 30, since VHS and, and tapes don't even exist, I don't think anymore. Maybe they do. Uh, but you don't see them around. But if you rewind to the beginning, you go back to Adam and Eve, you will find God's will. It was perfection. It was a paradise. It was a beautiful utopia. But God wanted love to be complete by allowing decision. It is why God put in the middle of the garden a tree 
to allow Adam and Eve to make a choice. You see my will. You see how good paradise is. You see how good it is when you allow me to rule and reign. But just in case you don't think my love is enough, I'll let you pursue something else and inquire, investigate other things. I'll let you try your your own way. And Adam and Eve, sure enough, they reach for that tree and they bite into it. They rebel against God and they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And the curse of sin begins to impact humanity and impact the earth and impact the world. And not too long thereafter, you have the first murder. Then you have the first uh, sentence of punishment or someone is permanently uh, uh, an outcast for the rest of their existence. Then you have the birth where there begins to take place uh, handicaps and sicknesses and all these things, all because sin entered into this world. Now, all of us are sin, sinners. All of us are imperfect. So don't try to look around and think about who you're superior than or better than. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. But as life has unfolded, God's will was always to redeem man and to bring him back. One example is when you read in the book of Romans and you read in the book of Corinthians, it talks about Jesus Christ, that you had the first Adam. Remember, God made Adam and Eve, and Adam was perfect, and Adam was tempted, and Adam gave in to that temptation. But then there was another person that was made perfect down the road, and that was Jesus Christ. And he was like a second Adam, an Adam 2.0, if you will. He was perfect without sin. He was actually tempted, just like the first Adam was, but this second Adam did not sin, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus he revealed what God has been wanting to do the entire time as you read through the Old Testament. God has always been trying to reunite mankind with God so they can be in relationship together. But we are stubborn people. If you are a people, if you are a human being, here's how you know you're stubborn. Can you inhale and can you exhale? That's how you know you're a stubborn person. We all have an element of stubbornness and rebellion inside of every single one of us. Some may be more vocal than others and more magnified than others, but we all have a rebellious spirit, a carnal appetite in us. And so God began to set up a plan of how can I redeem them, and he did it through a sacrifice where basically... People had to bring a perfect spotless lamb to God and they would have to sacrifice it on an altar and they would try to have this moment with God and the blood of that lamb that was shed would cover their sins. It was called the day of atonement after 364 days of sinning. There was one day they were allowed to appear before God. And it wasn't the people that could go to that altar. There would be a priest that was allowed to represent the people and go to that altar and bring this perfect lamb and slay the lamb on the altar. And the shedding of blood would be an atonement. That word atonement would be like a blanket, a covering. It literally means to cover so I, if you're like my daughters or my son, I mean, I shouldn't say my son. He might get a little 
insecure, embarrassed, but they have security blankets, that, that covering. It's almost like, you know, you're, if, if you've ever went to bed as a child or maybe still today as an adult, uh, it, it's, if your toes are sticking outside of the blanket, you feel vulnerable. So you put those toes under the blanket, then you know you're safe because every part of your body is underneath the covering. And it's a, it's a silly way to try to explain something, but I'm trying to get you on board here to understand something. Is they wanted to get everything they were insecure about and everything that was a fault, a failure, and a sin. They wanted it to be under that covering so they would be okay and in good standing with God. But here is the situation here. Hebrews 9, 7 gives us an understanding about it. That this high priest would enter into the most holy place, this church in the Old Testament, and only once a year was he allowed to offer this kind of blood sacrifice for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Whatever kinds of sins, whether they were blatant or whether they were in ignorance, this day of atonement was to cover the sins of the people. But that statement is very important to recognize or to understand. It was only good for once a year. Now, there's some things that I look forward to that happen once a year. You know, I, you know, birthday, you know, kids, they like their birthday. That, that moment that happens once a year, they look forward to it. Now, as a child, you want that to happen every single day. But as a parent, you almost wish you could celebrate every couple of years because you go broke after that birthday trying to spoil your kid and try to make them feel like a, a million bucks. But if you don't got a million bucks, I just recommend you don't spend a million bucks on your child. Live within your means and give them your time and your attention. And you'll have a good family. Someone say amen. But here's the deal is there's some things that only come once a year and, and they are to be enjoyed, they are to be cherished. But if you were a person that only brushed your teeth, you were only allowed to brush your teeth once a year, that's not a good thing. Now, I could look forward to that day, and then this is all hypothetical because God forbid anyone lives this way, but if you were only given one toothbrush that was only used once a year, and you only get one pea-sized drop of toothpaste on that toothbrush, and you got to go for 364 years tasting death in your mouth, you definitely are going to look forward to that day to brush your teeth and to remit everything that's funky and wrong in your world. But here's the truth of the matter. I'm thankful that I don't have to wait once a year to take care of that. I literally, every single day, more than once a day, I am permitted to go to my house and have access to that toothbrush and that toothpaste and take care of all the atrocities inside of my mouth. But here is something grander and more important that we recognize that in the Old Testament, they were only allowed to take care of their problem once a year. Once a year. They would have have to live with the guilt and they would have to live with the fear and the condemnation wondering if I did not live good enough for 364 days and if I die shy of this day of atonement I don't know how it's going to look like with me and God and so they would have to try to be on their best behavior to make sure that they were covered enough for that moment of time so they could be in good standing with God when they die 
It was only once a year. But when Jesus spoke to us in John chapter 12 in verse 24, he says, look, I want to tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. It will produce a plentiful harvest of new lives. Jesus is giving insight to the apostles, saying, I want you to know something about me. Look, if I just keep this to myself, and I just live life in perfection, and I avoid the death, and I avoid the burial, and I avoid the resurrection, then I am just going to be alone. But if I, like a kernel of wheat would die and if I would get buried in the earth and and then I only would be able to produce and bring about a harvest more than just me. I'm telling you right now, you don't have to wait once a year. It might feel kind of weird or awkward to have an Easter service in July, but we don't have to celebrate the resurrection once a year on a particular calendar date. You don't have to wait till next year to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I don't have to wait to talk to him and have our sins washed away next year when we get to come on a better season, when we don't have a pandemic going on. You don't have to wait once a year to get your sins and your problems, your trials and your tribulations addressed and taken care of. You could almost feel like, you know, you do something once, is it enough? And it's just like, most things that we do, once is never enough. You do it once and you got to do it again. And again, and again, you tie your shoe once, you got to tie it again and again and again. You, you brush your teeth once, and I pray to God you do it again and again and again. And, you know, it's like trying to tell our son, my wife and I, he, he doesn't like to wash behind his ears. But he, he, once is not enough. He needs to do it again and again and again. There's very few things. I wish I could do one oil change, and I never would have to do it again. I wish I would only have to buy one car and never have to do it ever again. Most things in this world live under that canopy of the curse, and you're going to have to take care of something again and again and again. But the Bible says when Jesus Christ, when he was sacrificed in Hebrews 10.10, that first verse that we read, it was only once. See, the priest in the Old Testament, we don't have time to go through through every verse in the book of Hebrews, but it reiterates over and over that that priest, he could only do that once a year, but then he had to do it again. And then after that year, he had to go out and do it again. And then after that sacrifice, he had to go out and do it again. But Jesus Christ is of a different priesthood. Jesus Christ is not a mere man or mere mortal. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was God manifest in the flesh. And the Bible says, when Jesus died. It was only once and for all. See, Jesus only had to do this one time. Look, I know it's 2,000 years ago, but it still works today. I know it happened 2,000 years ago, but that blood is still speaking better things today. Anything we do, we got to do over and over and over. But Jesus died once and for all. And when that one death, 
when that one crucifixion occurred, when that one burial, that once he was rose from the dead, he never is to die again. And not only did he do it once, but he did it for all time. He did it all for every single person in this room. He did not die to have a particular colored church, a particular gender church. It is for all. It's for whosoever will let him come. I pray in the name of Jesus that this church, yes, even in Watertown, South Dakota, that lacks diversity will have the most diverse church that we show. Look, the blood of Jesus Christ is for everybody. It's for everybody. It doesn't matter if you make six digits or you got no digits. I'm telling you right now, the blood of Jesus Christ was once and for all. It's for your son. It's for your daughter. It's for their children and their children's children. As they were singing that opening song about the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a powerful statement that it it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It still works. It hasn't run out. It hasn't run dry. And today, if you need that blood of Jesus, you could dip into that well of salvation. I don't know about you, but it makes me smile. I think myself happy when I think that the blood of Jesus still works. When I think about how good Jesus is. It was once, but it's for all. And it's for all time. And the Bible says that his death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. I'm not going to go through these verses, but 1 Corinthians 15, if you are trying to ever understand how the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ works and why it's so significant, you can write this down, but 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the greatest insights and summarations for us to comprehend how the resurrection works. And Jesus used it on himself, and Paul expounds on it in 1 Corinthians 15, basically that this this kernel, when you get that seed from whatever plant, it's so small, it's so little, and it doesn't look like much, and then you put it in the ground, and you could almost forget about it. But what happens if it is watered and taken care of and buried properly, that it will come back to life. That which died comes back to life. And that when it comes back to life does not appear as it was before. It appears in a different body, a different form. And this is where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that's how the resurrection works. We can scratch our head all day and try to figure out how what it's going to be like. How can I go to heaven? How can this, this dirty, nasty car make it up there. I can't jump that high. I can't fly. I'm afraid of heights. I don't know how on earth am I going to make this happen. The Bible says that this body of corruption goes down in corruption but will spring up incorruptible. This body goes down imperfect but will be raised in perfection. It's just like you would plant a seed in the ground. It's just one kernel of corn or wheat but it will sprout up. It will be a different color. It will have new life and it won't be alone. It will bring much with it. And that's what God designs for you and I, not for us 
to die alone, but to come back with a harvest. God has designed you to bring about harvest. You don't have to go to heaven alone. You don't have to go to heaven. Mother and father, your children, you can bring them with you. You raise them right. You take care of them properly. Look, you can bring your spouse with you to heaven. You can bring your co-worker with you to heaven. If we would die right, we can have a harvest. And I don't know about you, but I am believing for a harvest. Would you clap your hands? I'm just about done. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 and 16. So then, since we have a great high priest, I pretty much believe that. Yes, sir. Jesus Christ is a great high priest. And he's entered into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. As people are doubting the resurrection, doubting the supernatural, doubting, you know, some people mock uh, the whole stance of Christianity saying, oh, if God's so great, God's so big, you know, how come he, he can't heal and take care of all this COVID-19? People can mock and insult all they want, but I still hold firmly to my faith. I will not waver on my faith. God has proven himself to me time and time again. People looking for evidence. And they would go up to Jesus and demand a sign. He goes, look, I don't need to give you no sign. In fact, I'll just give you one sign. It's the only sign I need to give you. And he says, just like Jonah was in the whale for three days and came out, so shall it be with the Son of Man. It's the only evidence we need is an empty tomb. Jesus Christ, you can't find his body in no tomb on this earth because Jesus died, was buried and rose again. In verse 14 or 15, it says, The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. If you have found yourself saying within your mind or saying to others, nobody understands, the Bible declares that Jesus understands your weakness because he faced the same testings we do. God knows what it's like. And in verse 16, because he did what he did, we can boldly go to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. There we will find grace to help us when we need it most. If there's a summarization of our world right now, they need God the most right now. And if your world is falling apart with your family, with your situation, with your circumstance, and you feel like, man, I I need God more than I've ever needed him before. The Bible says, what he did once, he did for all time. And you can get it today. You can find help when you need it the most. Daily reports that are negative Every day, new cases rising. Every day, new death toll. Every day, some sort of riot. Every day, racism. Every day, murder. Every day, every day, we're reading the reports that are going on in this world. They need Jesus the most. But as you're reading the report, I hope that report doesn't seep into your spirit where you become fearful and you become anxious. 
I would encourage you, if you are being governed by fear and worry and anxiety right now, it would be very healthy for you not to be reading the news daily. Not so you could grow up to be an ignoramus or anything like that, but sometimes you just need to take a break and you need to get back in the report that we need to believe. We need to get back to reading faith. We need to feed our faith and starve our fears. And there's no better way to feed your faith than reading the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, and praying. And so I would encourage you, if you are struggling, I'm not mocking or insulting you if you feel that anxiety over you, but you have the opportunity to provide your own diet. You don't have to take what the world's feeding you. You don't have to take the diet of society. You don't have to regurgitate what they're spoon and force feeding you. Just get into the good word of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible says, eat this book. It's like honey to my mouth. I want to taste and see God's good word. But as you are hearing the sounds, even when you go to work, you hear something negative and you're, you're seeing the news headlines as you go to the grocery store and there it is right there on the magazine rack. I hope with all these reports that we remember this one report that there was a once and for all time. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It only happened once, but it's for all and it's for all time. As we stand here today together as a people. I want you to know that Jesus Christ that we read about, that we preach about, that we talk about, that we sing about, he is not just some sort of cosmic idea that we just kind of, you know, uh, uh, ponder and uh, kind of contemplate just to help kind of ease our emotions. I'm telling you, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. And he is near every one of us if we would just happily reach out and feel after him. How many here would, would like to experience and feel the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? You need a little new life today. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, but you need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Or maybe you've never experienced that resurrection power, what we call the Holy Ghost, or what the Bible calls the Holy Ghost. God can give you that same resurrection power. When Jesus, uh, before Jesus died, he gave uh, instructions to his disciples. And after he died and buried and rose again, and this is how powerful a negative report can be, that you could be right there next to the resurrection and still have your doubts. I mean, they're, they're standing face to face with the resurrection, and they're still doubting. And he's having to encourage them. That's how powerful a bad report can be on our minds. But stay with Jesus. Keep hearing him out. Keep talking to him. Keep feeling after him. Handle the Lord. Handle his presence. And Jesus, as he begins to speak to him, he says, look, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the promise of the Holy Ghost. He says, I want you to pray until you be filled with the Holy Ghost. The reason why the Holy Ghost is so important is because Jesus Christ the resurrection was made possible by the Holy Ghost. I don't have time to go through all the verses, but you can read it in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. is one scripture amongst others. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says it was the Spirit that quickened or brought him back to life and resurrected him. The same Spirit that brought Jesus back to life, talking about his body, his physical body, what resurrected him is the same Spirit that's going to resurrect you and I. Because none of us can make an invention to get to heaven. And none of us can, can work our way up into heaven. We need the Holy Ghost to 
get us to heaven. This is why we need the Spirit of Christ. But I'm telling you right now, the promise is this, that it's for you and your children and their children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'll read one last portion of Scripture, and we're going to pray. Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. There's a number of other verses I wanted to read, but I really feel that it's not needed to. But in verse 1, it talks about Apollos, this man's at Corinth. Paul's traveling through the interior regions, and he reaches a place called Ephesus. And while Paul's traveling, he finds several believers. Look at his question that he asked them. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And these believers are not sure what he means. They're like, no, what are you, what are you talking about? I haven't, I haven't heard about this Holy Spirit. And so he goes, how were you baptized? And they said, we were, we were baptized this particular way, the baptism of John. And so Paul doesn't mock them. He doesn't insult them. He doesn't mock their experience of what they do and do not know about the Holy Ghost. He doesn't mock and insult them for their form of baptism. He just simply says, look, there's, there's more to it. And he says here in verse 4, he says, John baptized calling for repentance from sin. But John predicted, he foretold, he prophesied, he declared that the people were going to believe in one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this Bible study from him, they were rebaptized. They were baptized before they already said it. But they said, you know what? I want to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul prays for them. And the most powerful thing happens after this powerful baptism. They receive the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in other tongues and prophesy. I say all that to say this. Jesus died once and for all. There's not another way. There's not another remedy. There's not another, another plan. There's not like a plan B if this, in case this doesn't work. In fact, when you read Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 6 or chapter 5, I believe it is. It's 5 or 6, but I believe it's chapter. It's one of those two. And, um, but basically it says, if you choose another way, if you, don't, if you don't like this death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you try an alternative, that's the only way. Because it's once and for all. There's no other alternative. We are so great, graced and privileged and honored today to have access to the Word of God and to know about the death, the burial, the resurrection. Today, as we celebrate Easter in July, what we're celebrating is the resurrection. The reason why we're able to get up is because Jesus got up. He got out of that grave, and so we can get out of our grave. We can get out of our dead life. And if you want to be like Jesus, it's simple. Just do what Jesus did. Die, be buried, and rise again. We die out to sins by repenting of our sins, saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. We get buried like Jesus, like baptism. Jesus in, math, or in the book of Romans chapter 6 says when we're buried, it's just like Jesus was buried in baptism. And when we rise to the newness of life, it's receiving the Holy Ghost. And everybody, it's available. It's a gift from God. If you're here today and you would like to experience God forgiving your sins, or you would like to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ after God forgives you of their sins and have those sins washed away, you can be baptized today. If you would like to receive the Holy Ghost today, it is made available. Why? Because Jesus did it once 
for all time. As long as time exists, his spirit is present for you to experience. I wonder if we could come together to the front here as a church, and I want us to pray together if you feel comfortable. If you do not feel comfortable coming to the front, I'm not going to force nobody to do nothing. But if you feel safe, you feel comfortable, we're going to pray together as a church. And we're going to make an opportunity for anyone that would like to experience that gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And we're all going to die out to sin together.